1: three two one and we're back and we have a very special guest today a longtime acquaintance but quickly becoming a good friend uh, Mike Reese you guys will know him because him and Jay Kinder formed uh, Kinder Reese coaching for a while and uh, you know they have a lot of love and respect in the real estate industry well Mike is quickly Mike and Jay are quickly becoming our neighbors down here in Puerto Rico and he just surprised me yesterday and said that he's here. Uh, finalizing where he and his family are going to live so i thought what the heck let's do a podcast so mike i appreciate your time absolutely man so we are sitting here with our uh uh, the road uh you know lavaliers and the iphone doing a podcast i mean and we were just talking about technology and stuff. but isn't it awesome? right? My whole, my whole rig here, minus my phone is like 200 bucks. There you saying? go. Yeah. And right after this, I click two buttons and it's loaded up to Podbean, and we're off to the races. There you go. It, uh, what the heck was that? That was my was shoe. That you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think you just killed a shrew. <laughs> so we are going to talk about a wide variety of topics. and I want to start out by talking asking you, we've been Julie and I have been doing a series of podcasts on the whole Zillow thing. And um, our listeners, most of which listen to us every day, will know where our position is. And I'm curious, from your perspective, and let's not try let's try to avoid going down the buying leads conversation because that's just you know um, a perpetual loop. But let's talk about whether where do you see, for example, in the next 12 to 24 months, where do you see the who are the biggest players in the real estate industry and why?
0: Well, I definitely think um, from a business model, I I definitely think Zillow is going to obviously be a big player. I think Open Door, Mm -hmm. um, they just did some interesting um, things. Um, They
1: they effectively went public, right? So they were bought by a hedge fund in essence, and now they have a valuation of $5 billion. So they effectively went public. Yeah. So
0: they use the same methodology as DraftKings. So um, DraftKings, there's a new method that's been used to take companies public. DraftKings did the exact same uh, model. In fact- um, I have a guy that I've known since 1996. He, he, the guy's never called me. He called me to ask me about Open Door. Never called me since 1996. My phone rings. He says, "Have you heard of Open Door?" And I, he, he goes on to tell me about um, how his he's a he's a stockbroker, but he manages money. He, I haven't seen him for years. I don't even know didn't even know he had my phone number, mm-hmm. and um, he wanted me to give him feedback because he had seen me from afar, knew I understood real estate knew I knew a little bit about eXp um a little bit yeah and just, so just a, just a smidge just a, a little <laughs> bit and so he was just interested in um long story short um I ended up buying the stock uh I, I bought the stock I forget what the symbol is for the holding company that holds uh-huh. open yeah that's smart and and it's uh I'll tell you the symbol here in a second but I bought the stock uh, Al Stasek my business partner I told called him immediately told him about it I'm not giving stock advice uh, I'm not giving stock advice. I'm just sharing with you. You can just put it right. right yeah, here. yeah. We're using
1: we're holding our lavalier, so it's a little awkward on the audio front. So forgive us if we're seemingly a distant and then too close listeners. Just bear with us here. This is the podcast on the road show. There you go. Yeah. So the main
0: thing is, is he? I'm not. I'm not. Again, not giving stock advice, but the symbol was IPOB. Um, it's at seventeen dollars and thirty eight cents as we talk now. Well, so that yes, yeah, and so and the reason why is my former mentor and coach. Mm-hmm. The guy that, me, so me and Jay hired a coach. We spent more money on this guy than any other coach. It was almost 10 grand a month. His name was Mark Chesley. He's the former CTO for Infusionsoft. And when he left Infusionsoft, he became the, um, I believe the president of Offerpad. He's from Arizona, one of the, if not, only person smarter is probably you. I'm being for real, no, he's a real smart guy. Um, Very, very interesting to have, you are, you're brilliant. It's fun to talk to you because you're so knowledgeable about so many topics. He's and you're similar. So kind. Yeah, well, yeah. So
1: that but that so
0: he went to offer pad and right. went, and 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 that would put that on, that model on our radar at a very in-depth level. He would fly in once a month to coach me and Jay for two days. And he took this job and told us about it, but then started explaining to us in detail their model. Um, obviously there was in his attorney roommates, he's an attorney, even though he was the CTO, he was an attorney, um, and he had told us a bunch of his uh, people that went to law school with him um, we're trying to get. They were basically the guys that were with Open Door, and so you know they say at Open Door that their their goal is to change the consumer's mindset of buying a house to like trading in a car. And if you look, you know um, Zillow. If you follow, so and he asked me about Zillow. So the guy asked me about, and then he asked me about Zillow. And so to answer your question, um, the question becomes: You know, Walgreens used to be a shoe store, right? Companies pivot and change, and they're required to. And the ones that don't, you know, innovate or die. So I believe that um, those teams that are behind Open Doors and behind Zillow's, I think that they're going to have a competitive advantage. Um, they're going to have tools I, via money, <laughs> you know, yes. and uh, and they're going to be able to play at a very high level. So it's going to take a lot of disruption. I don't fear for the agent as much. Um, you know, over the next three to five years, um, you know, being in Puerto Rico, the agent really controls the transaction at a unbelievable off the Richter scale worth three episodes of podcasts. I mean, if you want to go back in time and see the control agents can have, go try to buy a house in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Um, there is no MLS. I did, I did interview a guy two weeks ago in Vegas that did 155 transactions, saw me speak in Vegas when he was a title rep became a salaried employee for a company that does listings, drives business off a of radio, and doesn't put their homes in the MLS. He did a hundred- uh,
1: Well, so you're actually going the exact direction where Julie and I were going with our thinking. It's fascinating. Yeah. You're, we're sharing a wavelength right here, a brain, you know, it's yeah. cool. Well, so let me, let's me yeah. let get back on track, because this is what yeah. listeners are really interested in. And by the way, there is an MLS here, just nobody uses it. <laughs> right, <laughs> Nobody yeah. uses it, which, which inter- it, that's the thesis that Julie and I were sort of pondering on our podcast on Sunday, well, so let's just let's just scale this out because I'm genuinely interested in what you have to say. Yeah. So you have Open Door. So Open Door has, let's say, best practices when it comes to doing the iBuyer model they've been at it longer. They have done more transactions. They, they these are all statistical facts. They sort of allowed Zillow to catch up with them. Um, and it was, uh, you know, they stopped buying houses. They stopped buying as many houses in third or fourth quarter of last year and into the pandemic. It is what it is. So let's assume that technologically they still have an, uh, an advantage when it comes to basically operating at scale in terms of the whole the flipper model. in essence is what they're doing. So if Zillow has, but what does Zillow have? Zillow has by far the largest search widget, you know it's the biggest portal that there is. So you have it, what what Julie and I are theorizing is you have Open Door that's going to try to basically become Zillow in, in, in essence and have a search widget, and then you have Zillow that's going to try to become Open Door and have best practices, and you're going to see those two companies fighting it out and using all those billions of dollars. So in order for that to happen, and this is where I, I'm, I'm interested specifically in this part of it, and I think there's a third player, and I, I really tr- sincerely believe it's EXP, it, for all the reasons we're talking about. But the re- the thing that Open Door is missing. Is they're missing um, a 50-state brokerage and they're missing a national search portal so when you think in terms of who's got that already scaled out aside from exp it's and redfin's not there yet but redfin would be the next natural acquisition target and or a realtor.com and buy it from news corp so then they have the same competitive advantages that zillow does what's your opinion
0: um so so with the with the open door and um the the problem with open let, let me just The problem that people don't realize is you could have, when I got into Internet marketing, um, I went to Real Estate Investor. I met, I got tied in with the guy who owned realestateinvestor.com. His name, uh, I forget his name, Colin. His name was Colin. Um, Met a lot of real estate investors. And the truth is, is that people have been buying homes for cash forever. Mm -hmm. So let's just fundamentally say one thing that's happening is that it's called consumer face branding. You know, I buy ugly homes. Um, it was it's been featured in uh, the real estate investor millionaire real estate investor book. The story, you know, that was the first franchise model of the I buy homes for cash. So, so explain that what you so, just said. So, so it's, it was a franchise model where they would sell you. You had to put so many billboards up, but you could use their I buy your, their value proposition and their internal methodologies and and, and systems and processes and they sold it area exclusive. So anytime you're in the business, I know the guy that did this for tax attorneys, you would go to these people like Dan Kennedy who teaches chiropractors, dentists, how to make money in the opportunity business by not doing dentistry anymore, or like me selling real estate anymore and providing value to the community. Real estate investors who are successful investors, Dan Merrill, who's now EXP, they go around, build fortune builders, You know, go around and teach it once they become successful. Well, if you look at the economic model behind that, um, you know, if you're like Chris Waters in Austin, Texas, you know, he's franchising his Water International because he's kind of outgrown his backyard like Gary Keller did in Austin. He had two stores and then went franchise. So these are all business models. The thing that's different is we have publicly traded companies with a lot of money, and the truth is what I said, and this is unbelievable that we're having this conversation, is that I said eight months ago on this same topic on on a podcast that I was with with Chris, um, because Chris was spending um, a couple hundred thousand dollars a month on radio. Um, if I misquoted him, it wasn't intentional. But he but um, these other companies were doing four to five hundred thousand a piece, and he was like, "They're just coming in and sucking." You mean the eye buyers, the open doors, the, yeah, the Zillow's, right? Just buying and so, up Mindshare. right, and so the problem here is because in the franchise model. That that exclusive territory model, there was never enough, they were never getting a, the market share. They put up a couple billboards, and I can, I can. if you look at Barbara Corcoran, she is a celebrity endorsement for agents that really started because of my business partner, Jay Kinder. You know a lot in Oklahoma, Matt Wagner, if you know the backstory. Yeah. And so now you have all these agents like Gary Ashton in Nashville who's got 90 agents. and. You go to Atlanta and you have, you know, Tracy and Jason, you know, Kuzno-Wilford, you know, or Mark Spain. But they're doing high-level marketing. And that's the problem here is that people will get a disproportionate share of the market because they learn how to get to the consumer, when the well, consumer, win the, the game. But that's the bottom line. It's it's, so, but it's easier to do that now. Right. So you don't see any of the, the things that I would tell you, which I would never say on this podcast because if it got back to them, um, I would I would tell you what I don't want them to do because if they did we would all all agents would be in trouble. They're not going to do them because I don't believe they're thinking that way. They have a couple problems as they can't monetize every lead. So let's just face it, they're not going to go to every single market. I was in Canada, the iBuyer thing is not well, there.
1: Let, let me just, I, I'm, we're on the same exact path, and I'm yeah. glad you said that because yeah. that was my next question. So what we're now talking about are the fact, and this some, you might know these statistics better than I, I had. Yeah, yeah. I didn't deeply research this. But for every 10 people that raise their hand and say, I'm interested in an iBuyer offer, do you, have you heard any statistics on how many actually end up taking it with the discount?
0: Um, I haven't. I, I, uh, would no. you
1: guess one? I would guess one.
0: Yeah, I would guess it's very low. What I have heard the the, um, the CEO say is that um, their margins can be as little as, I think it was like $1,200. They can afford to do that for up to 10 years, and their goal is to train the consumer to think of trading in their house like trading in a car. CarMax.
1: So you're saying something now, and listeners, it's incredibly important because this is where real estate agents, especially when I read the things on Inman, the comments, where real estate agents get stuck in the mud. They hear that Zillow is losing $7,500 per flip, but Zillow does not give a rat's ass because what Zillow and all these other companies are doing is they're trying to become the dominant uh, name. Consumer Exactly. Yeah,
0: Zillow became more searched than the word real estate like two years ago. It was the first time that when you looked on Zillow that there was more searches for Zillow than there was for the word real estate. And that was a big crossover.
1: And only like, what, 12 years they did that? Yeah. That's incredible. Yes. Yeah. So, but so that ultimately, and what, so now listen to what Mike's saying. So far, we haven't found anything to argue about. We're, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find something. Yeah. Um, but so far, what Mike's saying, we're in complete agreement with because it only makes sense. So you have these two dominant brands. And Open Door. maybe you didn't hear about, they're going to become a dominant brand because of the fact that they have most likely a... Virtually unlimited pot of cash behind them. And Zillow, the same thing. Zillow has a market uh, cap, I think, of close to $20 billion. Open Door has a market cap of $5 billion. So you're going to see these companies enter into the marketplace. And we are both in agreement that there's not going to be a majority of people that are going to take a wholesale offer on their house like CarMax does for cars. But what CarMax did prove in the marketplace was people were willing to basically pay a convenience fee to avoid the hassle of you know dealing with the normal curb stoning and selling your car yourself or taking it to multiple car lots and all the rest of it. So that is conceptually, we already know what consumer behavior is going to be. It's going to embrace that type of thing. So moving forward, the question all of you have to ask, the question I'm going to ask you, Mr. Reese. Yep. So if they generate 10 leads of people that are interested in selling their houses, because like if you go to Zillow's website and you're in one of the markets where they're running high buyers, there's a very clear button to click where you're going to get an instant offer on in your house. So if, you, if, if, they, if they generate 10 leads, one says yes, it might even be less than one. I wouldn't be surprised if it is. Those leads that they do generate are, generally speaking, I would think those are going to be better than average seller leads, I would think. Maybe not. They could just. oh, abso-
0: a- Absolutely. The, 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 but the so what do they do with those leads? Well, the, the, I, seen, I think what I was going to. Um, what do they do with the leads? Well, right now, if you go to. Um, and we went last week. Uh, we had this conversation with a client yesterday. If you go to Open Door on page. If you scroll down past the fold. Now it's. Um, now they'll list your house. Right. Mm-hmm. So now it's list your house. So they're going to all. You have. You have knock, which is. Um, you have Keller offers. You have Redfin now. You have eXp with Express. Listen, the problem is, the real problem here is that the companies that are going to get the… See, we already have the agents. They have to go now and backfill the agents, which was your your whole premise. point about Redfin. Right. But if, if we can get a company like eXp, just mark my word right here. When eXp has a budget that is equal to their budgets to generate those opportunities and a mechanism like maybe Dave Ramsey to monetize them with their network, meaning get a referral fee. When they, because that right now, the budget that's being, it's just budget. That's all this is. The brand that's gonna get exposure is gonna be the one that has the budget. When you control the budget, which is what happens at Zillow, it's one person. At EXP, you have to say, okay, I need to find an agent in Portland, Oregon or Orlando. How much do you have? You only have 500 to spend. Okay, let me talk you into it and then help you run the ads. I mean, you know, you're, you, there's no ins, it has, so what, to, come, it has what, to come from top down. But what you're that to, somebody at look, the leadership look, level has to say, I believe this is the future, and I'm betting on it. And if they did that, then it's irrefutable that those those opportunities are out there. And the way that you get in front of them, I'm telling you right now, there's ten billion. It's you can do it easier than they're doing it but nobody's doing it because it's fractured the one guy's doing it consumer brand where he's spending somebody else's money and he gets a paycheck regardless if he break down what you're saying though because just to be yeah. clear i i understand what you're saying
1: but in case most of them are listening while they're having a well, like wine, Z- Z- well Z- Z- you're talking the difference between basically zillow having one message that they're pumping out in the marketplace versus exp who you have different you, have, you know forty thousand.
0: exp is not running an ad in duncan oklahoma exactly. today but zillow is Right. Exp's only running ads where agents are wanting to run the ad, and the ad exposure is elastic to the agent's budget. It has to right. be elastic to Exp's budget. Exactly, One, I, and that's the that's the game killer. And so you got killer offers that has the agent piece. But you're still dealing with agents who you have to convince to invest money into their business which i've been in that game and that's hard to do so because they not only have to be able to generate leads they have to be able to articulate their value demonstrate their value compete on that follow up with the lead in the first place call it on a saturday or sunday maybe call it eight times so they have to have the conversion process in place and not just buy the lead and then not say the lead sucks because it doesn't convert after you know one month you know so you have all that if you put that on the agent or what we call in the book, the book we call value exchange. If you can move up the the, the value ladder, like um, see what what Zillow did is they moved up the ladder. They they first gave the lead to the agent, then they said, all right, we won't do that anymore. We'll call the lead, and they just moved up. But the exchange in value as they moved up, they got to keep more. They got to keep more of the 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 the, the, the opportunity, right? They got to keep more of the um, the money because you know if i give you if i give you i can teach you how to generate a lead that might be worth a $200 class i can generate the lead for you that might be worth $25 a lead i could then give you the like there's so many ways to monetize the same strategy the person that zillow has went is they went all the way to the brand side where now they control everything on the value exchange and now they're able to capture more of the value because they, they haven't done that and what's the problem is is the companies that have the ability to do with those leads. What do you do with those leads? The company that has the ability to really monetize them because here's the thing. I can get that cash offer home, but I can get a two buyers off of it. Who's going to make more money? If you increase the productivity per agent at eXp by one deal, they're going to make way more money than buying 10 more deals. Okay, and so, so,
1: so two things. I yeah. love what you're saying. So two things. First of all, uh, as far as the leads, just to answer my own question, yeah. the leads that they're generating that aren't going to be taking the iBuyer un- offers.
0: In, they're unbelievably
1: valuable. They are valuable. And for sure, if you follow up with them and work them, right, which Zillow will do. But here's the thing that they're claiming they won't do: take resale listings. I put
0: that as a big "no way," they're not going to do that. Who did Zillow? Okay, they might, but uh, yeah, yeah. So if we're talking, so OfferPad didn't either, and now they do. Exactly. Well, and Zillow so, said
1: they weren't going to get in the brokerage business yeah. either, and they did. So of I course.
0: I built. If you go, to I'm not going to give the URL because I don't want to. I'm not trying to do that, but but I did build the Express Offers funnel. Um, and uh, if you go look at it the very first deal that you know once we got a for exp yeah if, well if, get the url who cares it's expressofferfunnels.com right i yeah. think is the url but now you when you first started with the exp you'd use making it rain to generate buyer right. leads for your kv core now they ha, now an agent we had it last time i looked and the numbers obviously more now we had over six thousand people that got certified on making express offers so i think exp is doing that right is they're standardizing the training and creating the mechanisms for the agent what I would be interested in looking at on a pilot program, if I was um, asked for my opinion, would be like, okay, let's go into Dallas. We already know that Offerpad spends 500000 a month. We have 2,000 agents in Dallas. Let's see if we can monetize and create a put a dollar in scenario, take five out. And let's go in and hit radio with express offers because if i can vet that model i can do it in 22 states now i'm competing because i got the search portal now i'm competing now i'm competing with uh these people but in order to do it you got to go in and say all right here's what we're going to do and you could do it this way you could even say hey agent here's your opportunity you can work on a referral fee i'm looking for 10 people we're just going to run a little budget but somebody's got somebody's got to go after those clicks you can't have clicks in a marketplace that you're not competing on. You can't be running in Dallas but not running in Houston. Are you, that, that's the difference in Door. is they defined their market. They were first available in Arizona, where they started, OfferPad, right? They ran their model. They vetted it out. Then they went to Dallas. They were going to be coming to Florida. That's how you roll things out. They got to, in order for Express Offers to really be what I think it could be is um, somebody has to control the marketing budget and that can't be left up to the agent otherwise it's just another model um, and you're not really going for the game you you are going to offer value to your agents if you're agent centric okay hey, we got another tool for you here's a value proposition now you have this cool offer but there's there's still going to be 500,000 people that don't see your ad because no because that agent's budget's $500 and there's just more opportunity than any one agent will ever take take advantage of. That's why those agents get that disproportionate share is because they go in, they start on radio, they start with about five grand a month, then that stuff works really well, then they go to 10, then they go to 20, and the next thing you know, I see them a year later at a mastermind and they're spending 40, 50, 80,000 on radio, it's not uncommon, right? I can name you 50 names of people spending 50 to $70,000 on radio, and they still ain't touching it, and Offerpad knows that. And OfferPad is just going on radio with the different so, value propositions. So, you're,
1: so I've, I've coached some of Matt's customers too. And uh-huh. what you're saying is very interesting. And I hope listeners are listening. And this is, I think you'll appreciate this. It's like marketing one-on-one, right? Yeah. So go, if OfferPad and Zillow are running really powerful radio spots and they're running in multiple markets, assume they've tested the crap out of it. And if you're going to run radio ads, just copy the radio ads. I mean, it's not that complicated. Yeah. Now, be careful. Some of it might be copywritten, but what have you. So ultimately, what you're saying is it's a battle. It's a, What we're entering into is a new, what it feels like to us, we're entering into a new era of real estate where the consumer expectations for the brokerage are going to offer are going to evolve quickly, you know, because of all. You know, and so that, what does that create? It creates opportunity for the people that are going to seize the opportunity with regards to the iBuyer thing. And I agree with what you're saying. If, and so the only reason that, uh, like in our opinion, it's gonna be open door, whatever that becomes, it's gonna become Zillow, it's gonna become EXP. Because EXP is the most compelling value proposition to the agent and they're, you know, spreading globally faster than anything in the history of real estate brokerages. So that makes sense. I appreciate what you're saying. If we were there to put an organized, you know, one mission, a one vision approach, behind uh, letting the world know that they have an iBuyer buyer of their own and doing it with a lot of money where they can basically buy market share like the other companies are then you have what
0: could be everybody absolute, wins every, yeah everybody wins the investor wins on the platform right the agent wins because they're getting deals you could literally let agents go through just like Dave Ramsey's program and you could based upon, based upon their success rate grade them they would have to they, they control the they control everything the agent would love to do it because it's a great. Tra- the problem with listings is they take a long time to sell. Not these, not these. You get. I mean, these are these are deals. The cash conversion. You go list a normal house. You got to list it. Then someone's got to find it. Then they got these are these are. This is better than a buyer. You're not showing 800 homes. This is. I went to your house. Here's the numbers. They work. We close. Right. This is the shortest cash conversion cycle. So anytime you're in marketing, you have to have money out and then wait to get money back in. It just seems like if if I was. You know my role at naea was always business development and i would go find there was times we lost our revenue we had to replace it in 90 days i would have to go find those opportunities and i became with this gentleman sitting over here mr woods davis very good at having to create three hundred thousand from scratch with 20-day notice right on a very small scale you know a 64-person company on the scale on which exp operates you got to be playing to win Right. And if you want to, if you want to, and I feel like that's what they're doing and they're doing a lot of amazing things. Right. And I'm, I'm excited to be here. The main thing is that, that I like about the company is their extreme, their, their core values. They're extremely flexible and open to the market. When other companies have franchisees that they have to, um, they have big agreements, they can't just do things, you know, it, it, we're, we're very, um, uh, we can we can pivot like people say we're built for this. I mean, what that means is 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 w- we can move around and um, um, you know with the right with the right strategy. But you can't you can never you know it'd be like this. Imagine if I had a real estate t- team and I told all my buyer agents, hey, buyer agents, how much do you want to put into marketing? They're never going to put enough in to get the team to the big goal. The the real teams there's one person controlling the marketing budget. And they're like, I'll take care of the marketing. I'll put the money and You just do your part, right? And you go and do the appointments. You have to look at it like that in order to build a consumer brand or build a brand around a team. If you For want to sure. become the most dominant team, somebody's got to centralize and own that thing process that process the best
1: products ever made were always basically the essentially the mind meld of one human
0: there you go you
1: can't design something off committee and have it be worth a crap and every all the most beautiful everything's always comes from the genius of one person primarily
0: yeah and so what someone needs to do is create a if it were me i would get a celebrity endorsement go look at the travel side of the Mike and jay no, I'm talking about a celebrity, like like a celebrity endorsement, like a, like a real cele. The no- most trusted celebrity used to be Tom Hanks. That was you know three or four years ago. Um, I don't know anymore. I've seen some controversy around you know what people believe but about him. We do not talk politics on this show. Well, so. I'm not. I'm just saying I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I'm just saying if you can find the most trusted face. Um, what was it? Will Shatner is what the travel industry William did, Shatner. right? But that was, but that was <laughs> he, Captain Kirk. Yeah, but they that got makes him. Sense. It was a huge thing. If you oh, go yeah. look at the backstory from a marketing, it was marketing genius. And he cleaned up on that stock, too, but, which but, was awesome. He cleaned up, but who started Zillow? Yeah, I know. And what did he do before? Right, travel industry. Yeah, he, yep. he built a consumer-facing brand for the travel industry. And if you look at it was a, if you look at um, all the, if listen, celebrity endorsements. Um are um, um, there's a there's a I see these celebrity things if you go to YouTube and look at open door there's something with celebrities it's not the open door but they use the same name and I'm always confused and I see them from time to time if you look at they're out on the top you put open door and it will show a celebrity opening his door and I'm when I first saw it, I was like oh my god they're about to win because that's all they need is is you know more trust you know when the consumer um and that's what i think that's what open door was saying is when it's hard to change the like you have to think like my sister my sister lives in a little town in texas she don't know what open door means she's heard of zillow but she did her real estate transaction nine years ago so her she hasn't had to go on zillow right um lately and and so i you know a lot of people you know maybe they bought from the builder, so they didn't have that. so it's going to take a while for you know someone like me and you who might have moved three or four times in the last five years you know we know what's going on right now and so we're in the industry
1: y- you just said something interesting and julie and i were thinking about this a lot too if people can trade in like the automobile how old are you um i'm 41 okay so i'm 50 so you might not remember this. It used to be when people, well you're from a normal poor area like yeah. I am, so you will remember exactly what I'm talking about. People didn't trade out of cars all the damn time. When 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 your neighbor bought a freaking new what the hell have you, yeah. that was something that all the neighbors got together and they celebrated cuz did not happen that frequently. I mean, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So uh, nowadays people trade in and out of cars constantly. And the expectation, the consumer behavior to move in and out of cars constantly it's 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 accepted it's now in the in the financing and leasing and all these other types of things it's normalized for people to keep a car for not you know long before the cars even more close to its past due date yeah that same consumer behavior could translate to home homes your sister the average person stays in their house what seven or nine years something Mm -hmm. like that so if she could easily get out of her house and she could basically trade out of her house and she doesn't have to worry about the perceived hassles of selling it and all the rest of it one click you know a couple of calls and then an offer i wonder if that's going to increase sales velocity of real estate what do you think
0: yeah i do it's so crazy that you asked this so me and uh my buddy woods here We work out every morning religiously. I could not tell by looking at you guys. (laughs) I'm embarrassed to be around the two of you. We have this other guy named Brandon who works out with us. He's not in the real estate business, but he knows that I am. I met him through, he's the assistant rookie tackle coach with me. And so he's going through a real estate transaction. I cannot make this up. I think it was four days ago. Just to put that comment in
1: perspective, I look like I'm a hobbit walking amongst giants in this in this room that we're in. Just, just so oh, listen, he's lying. So, so <laughs> listeners can
0: visualize that. So so, so this Brandon guy, he um, he he says, my wife comes in the room and she says, you know what, Brandon just asked me. She said, what I said, what she said. He asked me if those eye buyer the buyer house for th- cash works because he's found his dream home. There you go. And so you know what she said she said no they don't work and he said i thought they were so the the thing is is that uh they the people that are exposed to them they're still going to know an agent whether it's their mother their brother or their sister and the agent it's not going to have to say a whole lot to persuade them for now yeah for right now that's what i'm saying so you, you it's going to take a little while um but what they should be doing and this is I'll, let me let me ask a question Mike, if you wanted to kill them from taking over your business, if they were in your market, what would you do? I would just have one story on Facebook of a person who had a bad experience. Just one. I'm going to tell you something funny about if that. One experience of got, someone who got ripped off. Do one. You, do you have a pen and paper over there? Yeah, Because yeah. because 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 all the consumer is you always it's like, it's like it's like it's like looking for foundation problems when they're in a the house. They're looking for. Um, They're looking for the problem, right? And so there's a book called "Biology." When people don't buy, they don't believe you. And so if I were if I were trying to combat that, um, I would just have a, a couple little stories around, you know, people who lost, you know, people who were frustrated people who say you know and i thought it was too good to be true and the next thing you wanted me they wanted me to do $21,000 in dollars you got a computer in front of you i want you to search yeah. something
1: i want you to go to yelp and then i want you to put in um open door and then i want you to go to yelp and i want you to put in um zillow offers and i want you to try to find their yelp pages
0: so they probably you, don't have one. they don't have
1: any no well what the hell happened
0: yeah, because that's all it takes.
1: No, but, but listen. So what happened, when this is a story. Inman broke this, too. Uh-huh. I think Teak Wiggins wrote this article. He did, I remember. It was unbelievably fascinating. Okay. So basically, the, these guys, a lot of these companies shared the same members of the boards of director, you know, Yelp and all these, and then I think Glassdoor. Yes, Glassdoor also was founded by Rich Barton, who now is the CEO of Zillow. So all these review things where companies will normally never want to appear, basically, and, you know, in Yelp, it's we could just argue the at the sea of, uh, you know, Yelp, and it's like the old, you know, BBB days when, you know, essentially businesses are paying and just, let's just set that aside for a second. But those iBuyers, they were receiving such salacious, horrible, nasty reviews on Yelp, for example, that basically they uh, determined that based on the terms of service of Yelp, et cetera, that Yelp is only supposed to be uh, reviewing local physical location businesses and if you're a virtual business you you don't qualify to be on yelp so they removed their pages and they tried to do it super super secretly so that consumers couldn't easily find them a level of dissatisfaction out there with the i buyers yeah that's fascinating yeah yeah
0: and that's all it takes yeah yeah because well, because in truth if you get the stories of the people that don't sell then what would happen is it would be confirmation and it'd be hard to build a consumer-facing brand it just would and so people right now, you know, the last thing people want to do is waste their time or waste a lot so of money. So I
1: wouldn't do what you said. And from a marketing yeah. perspective, I'm like, just saying I would do it on and, rate. And, I would, I would, no rate. way I'm getting in the mosh pit with you about marketing. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah. dumb. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't do what you said, because what I would do instead is if you were an EXP agent said, great, we have that option too. Let's yeah. discuss which one's the best fit for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. But not everybody's an EXP agent. Well, I don't understand that either, but that, that's a topic but, for another podcast. Or maybe not. I mean, yeah, honestly,
1: yeah. so this is, this is, yeah, my, yeah. this is my premise. If you're not associated with the brokerage, so yell or let's say open door and whatever it becomes in Zillow, you're there's going to be employee agents. They're definitely going to list resales. Don't believe what they're saying. So if you're if you're an agent and you're, I get this question all the time. I'm sure you do too, yeah. right? So agents are fearful that they're going to be out of business in five years, and they're worried about, it, especially if they're in their 30s. They're worried about doubling down and you know really laying long-term plans for their future in real estate and i get the question all the time what's the long term in real estate gonna be like and in my opinion this is always going to be true there will never be a time ever (laughs) where people are not going to want to use a real estate agent there'll never be a time when people won't want to use if like i was you were i when you and i were sitting for lunch the last time you and uh, jay were here you were doing a little bit of short selling and whatnot on your phone and, you know, doing quite well, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I've never studied that before. And I was thinking about asking you about it. Not that I'd ever probably do it. I'm more conservative than that. But that's something that's fascinating. So my natural inclination wasn't to fire up a web. This is the point you made a second yeah. ago. It was to go to somebody I trusted. Right. And that will never change. So you'll all humans, are our, our lizard circadian, you know, root brains will always want to seek the advice of somebody who we feel is going to guide us, even if we have the plethora of information available on the internet. Right. So So for those of you who are worried about being relevant in the future, I think, in, well, let's be honest. If you're a low-skilled agent who only knows how to buy leads, who's never learned how to be proactive with lead generation, and if you're not associated with a company that's not setting itself up to compete in the future, um, you know, meeting the consumer demands, you probably will have problems competing. You probably will have problems in the future. An opinion on that? I agree. 100%. But yeah. well, I mean, so what are the other big brokerages doing? We probably shouldn't even talk about that, but I don't see any of them. They're all trying to basically double down on franchises, and they're doubling down on their old models. Well,
0: right. I mean, the truth is, I mean, I mean, most brokerages, what they do is they they this is the truth is they rely on their culture to keep people. That's right. And so most of them, um, they they find an agent who is bubbly and nice. And I mean, this is a person that would be your favorite aunt or your favorite (laughs) uncle. And they they name them and put them in a position of leadership to make everybody happy, warm and fuzzy. And then they they. They, they they did that in a physical space and so there was a there's a lot of things in real estate that people operate from fear and so people want to go to that space that safe place to the office he means an office yeah, yeah. and and so that worked and then what we do is we invite so you go to the
1: safe place and there's your aunt aunt betty who's going to pat you on the back uh, and, and your friend you nice joe and and yeah.
0: tim and julie and we never Pete, went to the office but yeah. not not i'm just saying <laughs> yeah. i was just making up names Oh my God. I did not. I swear to God, I wasn't using you and Tim. I was thinking Tim Grubbs. I wasn't even thinking about you and. So, listeners, if you think that was loud on your mic, it was sorry. incredibly loud sitting
1: across the table from you. Yeah. So, I, I feel for you.
0: Yeah, not Tim and Julie Harris. I'm saying just. We I'm get thinking it. that Michaels and Jay's and. Like yeah. all the agents, right? They go to the office. Um, That's so weird. But the it, point it, is. It's a fake
1: family in essence. Yeah, yeah.
0: and And then what they do. But my point is, and then what we do is. We do another event, which is a training, and we call that BOLD. And then we do another event called Family Reunion. Well, if you're built around your methodology of keeping agents around bringing them to live social gatherings to re-energize them and help them hope for the future, I think that you know the pandemic has, created challenges for those business models
1: so what you're saying is that most of the traditional brokerages only survive because agents are making an emotional decision because they want recognition they want a sense of belonging 100 and they in versus actual financial uh, thinking 100 and it goes back to the i think distasteful joke frankly that you never go to a realtor's retirement party because they never retire right they just become listless yeah right yeah I mean, you know so but that is the truth real estate agents are again it's Why are so many real estate agents perpetually broke? I mean, there was a study um, that I heard that the average top producing like massive mega agent that everyone idolizes is basically two months of bad cash flow away from being flat broke. And we saw this after the housing crash. Yeah. I mean, how many of these big-ass agents, the, the big famous ones that were all over TV and stuff, evaporated after 07, 08? Because they didn't have the staying power. Right. Right? So they weren't making financial decisions. And and let's let's do talk about eXp, because it's something you and I are both passionate about. Yeah. So if you look at, for example, Glenn seeded the idea for eXp as a result of that, because he saw this effectively. I, I Orlando, uh, you know, in Miami did an interview with him, and I love what uh, Glenn said. Glenn said he had to create a system that would take care of agents in retirement and financially despite themselves. (laughs) I thought that was such a funny quote because it's true. Yeah, yeah. Because left to their own devices, they're never going to create any financial security for themselves. They're going to spend it all. They're going to spend it all, and they're going to spend it all, and they're going to spend it all, and then they're going to be broke, and then they're going to spend it all again. Yeah. It's the perpetual cycle, and it's sad because it ruins lives. I don't know about you, but after the last housing crash, not to make this sound depressing, but we had friends, we had just the, the... We had people we knew committed suicide. Yeah. I mean, I don't even want to, I don't want to bring it up. It's really horrible stuff that happened and people don't talk about that. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like the unintended consequences of having these forced lockdowns as long as a result of the pandemic, right? It's not just financial, but it's the mental health of a lot of these people whose lives are getting devastated. Well, I'm sorry, listeners, but in real estate, it was a hundred X fold after uh, the, you know, he was, you know, in the short sale business too. It It was horrible. It was terrible. People crying all the time. Yeah. You know. But in any event, so that's when Glenn seeded the idea. So Glenn seeded the idea for EXP as a result of him having experienced that and seeing the devastation that happened to you know, people. And then here's the cool thing. And and, and so there is another, So there, like the pandemic. So the, the housing crash seeded the ideas and the momentum for EXP, at least got the ball rolling. Still a lot of market resistance, what the heck's a virtual thing, what's an avatar, what's the everything. Now, because of the pandemic, look what's happened to eXp's growth. Yeah. I mean, how many quarters, consecutive quarters of, of, you know, positive income and and making, you know, a profit Mm -hmm. has there been three or four during the pandemic? Now, let's be careful. We're not celebrating the pandemic and we're not being insensitive to all those types of things. But the reality of it is, is that we're now seeing another set of circumstances happen that's going to cause, to Mike's point, it's going to cause everyone to say, you know what? I thought I needed an office. I thought I needed that community. I thought that was important to me. Now I've not had it for three or four months, and my mind is now opened up to the fact that you know I can now seriously consider EXP. And then when you enter in, when you set aside those emotional circumstances that were keeping you moored to the shore, right? We're never allowing you to go exploring in your mental, emotional, financial ship. But when you cut those lines. And then you start going out there and you start sailing and you start realizing what Glenn really did create. And you know Glenn well, far better than I do. I mean, the guy is an unbelievable genius. People credit other people, Dave Linegar, Gary Keller, definite geniuses, but geniuses for the sake of building franchises. Glenn's a genius for the sake of basically doing something that will benefit agents, not just for a year or two years, but a generation, two generations, three generations. That's incredible.
0: That is incredible. Yeah. And he is a, if you get the opportunity to work with him, the, the, the feeling that you get is the um, the un the unbelievable, true, authentic passion to help the agent. And people don't. You, it's that's. Let me from the logo to everybody's a recruiter and all the other bullshit people make up in their head to really saying, well, maybe there's something going on here. Let me kind of let me get into the 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 meat and potatoes, the roots, the foundation. How did this like what you the things you were saying. The, the intention was good. And dude, truth always comes out over time. It just does. I mean, you can, it just does. And so when, for me, um, you know, I've been there and been asked, I've, I've, I've been called, I, I got a phone call from Glenn um, on a text. I got a text on Christmas or no, uh, New Year's Eve. And it was about four thirty-five. it might have been 5.30. And I was about to give my little boys a bath. They all go to bed at, three little boys, they go to bed at 7, 7.30 latest. And he said, hey, you have time to talk. And I texted back, yeah, I win. And it's New Year's Eve. And he said, um, how about now? And I was like, okay, yeah. And I mean, I like, there was no um, in-between conversation. It was like just straight to, and we, just so you know, we were talking to iBuyer. That's what he called me about. He calls me on New Year's Eve. Of 2019 to talk to me about the iBuyer. Further away, not close. Oh, yeah. to talk to me about the iBuyer program. I can't
1: adjust the mic settings on my lavaliers. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is.
0: And so, um, so the the truth is, is that um, um, we we enter into this discussion, and the next day I'm on the phone with him and the CFO. He's like, "Well, can we circle back?" And it's not. The, my point isn't the topic. My point is how his mind works. He's working on New Year's Eve, thinking about the next. That's how he's thinking. Yep. Yeah. Right. And so, um, if people and and you know, there's things that work and don't work, but um, I, I just feel like he's really, um, for sure, from my perspective, him and the the the, the entire team of eXp, I just feel like they're 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 in a place where it's what makes it's the principles of success. The principles of success, things that make people successful, I think, are all around the way decisions are made at eXp. And I've been in other places where it's just so hard to get a decision to be made. I mean, you know, um, I'm just hard, you know, because people are just used to the way things that the way the way things are being done. And so, um, yeah, I think agents are going to be in for a a real surprise. I think I think the pandemic, um, it's. It compressed time by at least thirty-six months, in my opinion, um, maybe even five years. I mean, what the the virtual conversation you don't have at all anymore. You know, when I came into EXP, Tim, people used to talk. This is, let me tell you, real sixty-second soundbite of my experience at EXP.
1: I was going so to th- ask you, so
0: thanks. I was going to ask you, so thanks. Well, my business partner, not Jay, another guy, said I talked to Bat, and he was an investment banker, and. EXP stock is over-the-counter. Do you know what over-the-counter means? Do you really know? That stock will never, less? and he gave me some bullshit made-up statistic on the spot and said that stock will never be on the NASDAQ. That's what he said. And 60 days, 90 days later, it was trading on the NASDAQ from that conversation. So it's so, and this is a guy that is a friend of mine that I stay at his house who I would say was truly trying to look at my best interest. I know people what moved me at EXP was when I met a 23-year-old kid who had multiple six figures in stock. Um, and what really moved I have some clients that I moved just think about this, think about having a client that you know maybe they have maybe 10, 50, 25, maybe 75,000 in core, we call it core capital. So one of our philosophies came from a book named called Simple Numbers Straight Talk Big Profit by Greg Crabtree which is chapter number one, How the Entrepreneur Pays Itself. All our mastermind members said it was the one book that changed their life. It's called A Financial Cube. And it just basically says that you should have a certain amount of money in the bank. You do this stuff instinctively. With You said it to Jay when I was there. Don't spend X percent more of your income. You have little mental models in which you live your life, make financial decisions. And this book is a framework by YPO, YPO, um, which helps entrepreneurs and stuff. Young
1: Presidents Organization. Julie and I actually started a chapter of YEO, the cousin to that in Columbus. Okay, so
0: yeah. So Greg is a part of that community and helps these people with financial you know, decisions to run their business. And he, and he says you should have. So what we always did when we coach somebody is we find out how much money they have saved, how much money it took to operate their business, and how much money they needed to sh- shoot for for core capital because we wanted them to have a healthy business. That was kind of the nucleus of our philosophy. And so I knew what people had in the bank. I knew people who were selling hundreds of homes that, if, like you said, they were three months away from not being able to pay their bills, right? But they're selling hundreds of homes a month, right? A hundred well, homes a month. Pull that away just ever so slightly.
1: Yeah, that's good yeah. right there.
0: And so, um, long story short, is um, with the, the way this whole thing, you know, went th- that I'm trying to explain is, is that these these people that I was meeting in EXP had multiple six figures in stock. Right. Now this was when the stock was at the stock hit six in the December that I had went up and um anyway, long story short, it was at six dollars at this one particular time when I met this individual. Now I have agents that I personally remember them being on a Zoom call and coming over and I'm looking at their newsfeed and they have three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars in stock um I'm not going to say their names but I mean this is multiple well, people there, there's people that have basically who are early in an exp that have become
1: millionaires and have just well this guy
0: well, these these aren't people that were early these were yeah. people so so I'll give you an example this guy named Brian he came in a year ago okay he told he I got the text history it said should I go into the stock deal he sent me a screenshot even a guy in Utah named Steve sent me a screenshot and says is this real <laughs> like is this real and so my point is, is that people who come to eXp, a lot of them didn't even think about the stock. You know, it was like, okay, well, the stock's good and great. But, you know, a lot of them liked other things. You know, some, everybody had something different that they like. But the stock is a real, uh, I think. A, 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 it's a forced savings plan. Yeah, and it's and it, and people are seeing seeing the people who got in are now reaping
1: the benefits. But but it's not too late. It's just getting started, and so this this is an interesting pivot because I just wrote this down. I forgot to bring this up earlier. So EXP is valued on the market cap of less than three billion dollars, mm-hmm. and profitable company. You know, agents are going to be over a hundred thousand, maybe even more. International, licensed in all fifty states, all the rest of it. Brilliant leadership. Okay, Zillow again brilliant leadership they have all their attributes but they're valued at almost 20 billion. What's the pep- what's the reason why cuz Zillow is seen an open door is seen as a tech company LB, yep. and re- and EXP is still being valued in the same bucket as a real estate franchise. But Z- EXP is not it is a real estate company but it really is a tech company. So I don't have know if you have an opinion on this yeah. and, and and just for the anybody who's You know, I don't have all the legal small print, but we absolutely don't know what the hell we're talking about. So if you're listening to us for advice on investing, you've come to the wrong place. Let's just say that. So any disclaimers. But the reality of it is, is that at what point to the point about when they can start buying a market share through an iBuyer, I think this is where your mind was going too, but you and I Mm -hmm. turned the corner. As soon as they basically are getting the tech valuation that their hypothetical competitors are, then the horses have left the barn. At that point, the whole world changes.
0: Yeah, they opened up the investor meeting on August 6th the, I, I got it recorded. I've sent it to people. They opened it up. and the, In the first three minutes, they talk about exactly what you said. The whole investor call after they reported earnings, and they said, if we were evaluated the, through the same valuation process as Redfin, we would be $140 a share. That right. was the numbers that were well, used. Look
1: at Tesla. Yeah. I mean, Tesla has a market cap. I don't even know what the hell its market cap is, but they make cars, and you compare them to, say, for example. But they don't. But they well, exactly, don't. exactly. But, I mean, it's the, the, a technology company. Technically. Well, yeah, the, the
0: the thing is, is they said that they the literally last week they said their battery business will be a three hundred billion dollar business. Right. That's just batteries. That's just you know they, they own Solar City. Those so, the solar power gets stored in a battery in a house. You know um, that those batteries right now we're we're here. Um, we use generators. You could use solar. You know, there's just we're going to look at a house called the Tesla House. Today at uh, three thirty. Oh, that's cool, and it's completely off the grid. But it, you know, the point. The point is, is you. The point is, is you are right. It's not too late. The no, and the problem that I was it's saying just started. Yeah, and the problem that I'm saying is, is that the cheerleaders around you. I tell people, listen, follow the money, find truth for yourself. Elon Musk said, always assume you're wrong. That's his number one way for solving problems. Ray Dalio, the number one hedge fund manager in the world, principles, he says the same thing, find truth for yourself. And the truth is, is that you have to ask yourself a better question, what if you are wrong? I know for a fact that the single decision for me, which I was not doing bad, I I would say I was doing really well, to come over to eXp took one thing, it took me to change my vision that I had created, that I had been duking it out for. I had been given, I had been told by smarter people than me that, man, you and Jay are just like, they use this sound, because ah, they were asking us how we got here. And this guy is Harvard MBA, John Z. He was on the board for Commission Z. he was like, man, y'all worked your little butts off the hard way, you know? And And we were having conversations like this before EXP was even a conversation but we were having similar conversations on um, you know the disruption and all that of real estate in my opinion I had to get over first of all let me tell you the first thing in the book business model for dummies you know there's strategy with people have to understand strategy the best way to explain to me is there's two things like when they're trying to land on the moon they don't have to know how they're going to land on the moon. They make what they consider as assumptions about landing on the moon. This is a book called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. Michael Porter, he's uh, with, you know, Harvard um, uh, strategist, and, and he says, let's not worry about how we're going to land on the moon. Let's assume like Earth, there's good and bad spots to land, and we'll solve that when we get there. Now, the book talks about in a good strategy, there's what they call as a kernel and a kernel and this is this is what i i have this conversation with my wife all the time i'm looking for the strategy the kernel is is what is the strategy and so people like why are you what problem like the the the, uh, good strategy bad strategy the whole book says is the a bad strategy is solving the wrong problem okay so if you go and give me a good idea and it's a great strategy but it's solving the wrong problem the problem that we're solving here is this this is the problem is that agents are going to, over time, have a disproportionate share of income to invest back into their business to get that same disproportionate share of market share that currently is funded the Zillow's and the offer pads. So the the thing that you said is that when agents are one or two things away, I don't care who you are. The bottom line is this: if, let's just say that an agent has multiple income streams, one of those streams may be because, like me, when I got into real estate, I helped my uncle and aunt, I helped my next door neighbor growing up, I didn't get anything. I helped my guy who um, sold me advertising, Stuart Smith. All these people are still in real estate today and became very successful, but the broker that they went to got paid. There was an economic incentive Right? That allowed me to change my behavior to do a higher leveraged activity and get compensated for it because I was out there becoming successful anyway. And so through that, naturally, people reached out to me and NAR came out with a stat that said 80% of all the transactions are going to be done by people who get licensed over the next 36 months. So people always say, well, with EXP, people have already been all recruited. No, you're wrong. When Mm -hmm. I got into real estate, I was rookie. There's a rookie of the year that's getting their license now right and they're going to and they're going to have questions and they're going to need help and some people don't understand is you don't have to be at the top to help somebody, you might just need to be able to help that one new agent fill out their first listing paperwork.
1: So we said we said several things here that they need to listen to because yeah. the, a lot of agents are worried that they're gonna be relevant, right? Number one, you, and I agree 100% with what you just said, there's gonna be an increase in the number of agents, not a decrease, and we're already seeing that. Normally you see an increase when the economic times are you know, hard and agents and people go to get licenses for a side hustle to try to supplement their income or whatnot, but this is the first time you've seen an increase in a booming seller's market, now you're seeing an increase in a recession you know, whatever the hell's next type market. So you're seeing more people get into real estate and consumer behavior is going to change. So you're going to see more sales velocity, more homes being sold. But the biggest thing is, you mentioned Ray Dalio. He's talked obviously a lot about this, but you're seeing uh, a seismic shift in the um, first of all, you're seeing all these big movements out of the cities, but the demographics are, are so much in favor of uh, more and more real estate transactions and everything. So if real it's it's shocking to say, but real estate's probably, I think real estate and financials are the only two industries that have actually done incredibly well, almost because of the pandemic, right? Yeah. And then if you look at all these other, just reeling it back into t- focus on eXp, if you look at all the other real estate brokerages, I don't look at their financials or you know read their K1s and whatnot, not, some of them I do, but not all of them. And none of them were doing well during uh, the pandemic. All of them were in panic mode, except eXp.
0: Is there ever a home that you've ever owned in your 50 years of being alive, that if you would have kept it, would have not have been an amazing investment? Yeah, right. Is that true? Whether good or bad market, there's only two houses that Julie and I have ever owned that we um, actually that's not true
1: there are three that we sold and every with the exception of one we should have kept them for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's
1: it's bottom line and so and, you, and then you enter in inflation. I mean, if infl- and and I was just sitting actually on the beach just the other day and I was talking to a hedge fund guy, and it was I a friend invited me who's another hedge fund guy and we're you know we were sitting there talking and I'm of course listening. And then I started asking this guy questions. And the question, a lot of these financial guys are trying to figure out, inflation or deflation. After the last housing crash, there was deflation followed by inflation, right? As the money started trickling in from all the economic stuff that the, the Fed was producing, then you saw the inflation of not just houses, but freaking everything. But now we skipped what would have been the deflationary cycle, and we've gone right to inflation. So inflation, what that does ultimately is not good, but in the short run, it it could be not good provided that the inflation is allowed to run amok. And when these guys were talking about that hyperinflation, none of them thought that would happen, but they all agreed, and this is the funny part, um, they all agreed that real estate would be a kick-ass investment during this cycle. And these guys are the ones that are trying to sell you stocks and bonds and whatnot because they get commission off of it. And here they are saying, buy, freaking buy real estate. Right. That was amazing. Yeah. Because they know in an inflationary cycle that real estate is going to inflate or appreciate in price. And, and when you can lock in a 30-year mortgage rate, the rates were 2.5%. What the hell? By the way, good luck getting a rate lower than 45 down here when, you, yeah. when it comes time for you to buy. Good luck. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the moral of the story is, is that you are uh, beholden to you. It's imperative that you go out and buy a house that's going to be a long-term fixed-rate mortgage in the twos, and then chances are, if inflation kicks in, like a lot of these you know guys are, uh, are, are are saying, you're going to have the inflation rate outpace whatever the cost of the money is for you to borrow. Now don't go ape shit and start borrowing money, but that's a kind of interesting thing that when you start thinking big picture. You know, if you combine something, if you look at uh, the financial uh, strife that's entering into the economy and you look at it as, in an opportunistic perspective, your world pivots. And that's re- ultimately, and you said something, and it's fascinating because I thought you were about to say, why didn't you get in DX? How long have you been in DXP? Uh, 2017. Okay, so almost four years. So why why didn't you get it? You had to have been hunted aggressively in DXP as much as Julie and I were prior to getting DXP. We've been in it, this is our uh, 21st month, right?
0: Yeah, we got a video. Um, from a guy who was a, uh, an Asian well, why,
1: why didn't you do it sooner?
0: Uh, we got a video. We laughed at it.
1: <laughs> so we, we
0: we laughed at it. I'll tell you, this is an amazing story. I, I, I got to tell it to you. This guy is a, a genius over here. We should have him say yeah. at least hello because he ke- keeps on referencing him. Yeah, yeah. So he he's uh, Woods Davis, business partner. He's, he came down to Puerto Rico with me. Say hi,
1: Woods Davis. You have to say it loud.
0: Okay. And so... Um, Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> and so Woods um, went back. We got a video, and it, and it created – it was a video that Gene had done for Chris. and Gene, Gene Frederick, dead for Chris Waters. Okay. And Chris Waters, you know, yeah. top agent in Austin. And so he had sent it to us and said, what do you think about this? And uh, we watched it, and it, it was like someone had put together a video of, like, and it, like just get, we at that particular time we had a saying that we said all the time getting rich on a spreadsheet we had we had internally as a company used that we had been approached almost monthly with opportunities and so we would listen to them and we were like <laughs> whatever yeah that's going to work right too much emphasis on the avatar is what i'm hearing um, this no, this this was just the this was we we looked at it. We were doing something very similar. Mm-hmm. So in June of 2016, we had a face-to-face podcast, and we had pledged to get 2,000 partners nationwide. We had a different model, and we had been executing that successfully. And um, yeah, this is for the National Association of Expert Advisors. We called ourselves the Expert Advisor Home Home Selling or Expert Advisor Home Services. We had agents. We were bringing them over left and right. We were moving. I was going to Houston and Georgia, Atlanta once a quarter. We had established what would have been basically equivalent to a broker in Atlanta. We were doing it. Um, We were using a guy by the name of Larry who had built Dynatech, which was in the financial services space, had done something very similar. We were turned on to a guy who did it in the insurance space through a network. So we were, and we were doing weekly, if not monthly, calls with Clay Mask on how to create cap tables to get shares. All this is—we, I mean, I have spreadsheets and Word documents, and I—I I mean, we had a team working on it. The problem um, was, growth sucks cash. And so all of that growth, um, and we were a salary-based model. We had a couple things. We had two or three things wrong.
1: So you were going to roll up all these adi- these different real estate teams and brokerages and basically put them under one umbrella. In essence,
0: yeah. And they would, but they got a they got a territory. Right. And so so, it,
1: so in the investment world, that's called a roll-up model.
0: Yeah. And so we they got a territory, and that territory was going to be their sellable asset. So when they wanted to when they wanted to get out, if you owned Plano. Right, you could you could sell your territory to somebody, but it Great wasn't. Idea. A, yeah, and so anyway, long story short, we'd partner with them, and we we would do what we essentially do now at EXP. When we partner with people, we help them grow their business without charging them. The difference is um, in this model, we were taking a, a, some of the overhead, and once we had helped these agents go from never selling more than some of these agents literally would never sell more than eight deals. You know, they'd be selling 50 deals, but then they would want to talk about their split. We and we they've been in real estate 10 years, never sold more than 18. Their first year with us, they're doing 50 deals, and they want a higher split, and they don't understand the numbers behind it. So we hadn't we hadn't we saw the platform. That's what we saw. So the year that year goes by, we're like, we start um, digging in. And long story short, Jay goes, um, here's the truth is. I go to Jay, and um, I'm just looking. We wrote the book, Digital President. Chapter one of that is about, um, of that book. I have no idea about. So, by the way, uh,
1: this book, which I'm holding in my hand, you can get this on Amazon, I assume. So, I'm going to give you, make sure you release this in Kindle. Okay. Make sure you get it in Audible. And when you do in Kindle, remember I told you guys this, make sure you make it so the Kindle members can download it for free. And then on Kindle, it will become an international bestseller instantly. Okay. Seriously. And like countries, you don't even know where they are. Yeah, yeah. That's how you do it.
0: So, the, so we, we, the, in that book, chapter one, it talks about your freedom number. Put the, I have to tell you, put this in context. I have no clue that I'm looking for passive income, but me and him on December 2nd, 2016, I, I, I went to Jad, watched the thing called the um, the Defiant Ones. Me and him were training for an ultra marathon, a 62-mile a race called the Mandara. I was on a 14-mile run one day, and I, got, I came back, and I was done. I, I, it's a long story, but I went to Jay and I said, hey, man, dude, I'm done. He's like, what do you mean you're done? I said, oh, dude, I'm done. I'm done, dude. I want freedom. I'm in meetings after. You meeting. mean Kinder, right? Jay Kinder, yeah. Yeah. What would I say? No, I'm just oh, yeah, calling. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go to Jay Kinder and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm done. I watched this movie, The Defiant Ones, where Jimmy Levine, I thought it was going to be cool about Dr. Dre, I end up falling in love with Jimmy Levine and someone's giving a testimonial and says, Jimmy Levine, he says, he'll kick over the sandcastle and he's telling the backstory how he hooked up with Steve Jobs and why the Beats deal made billions and I'm just kind of in this thing where I'm in this info, I went from like this info business to this coaching model to this association to partnering with agents to, you know, just too many moving parts and I just want to go back to the drawing board and I'm willing to kick over the sandcastle was the word that me and him used, and I'm like kick over the sand castle means just shut it all down and I'll build it all back up we're at almost 10 million a year right and Jay's like what do you mean you're done and I said here's what I want you to do that was a good Jay kinder impression yeah yeah that was perfect yeah yeah it's like seven in the morning he says I'll never forget where I was and I said write down on the wall everything you want and you can have it write it down you have it I'm not saying we're gonna you'll still have the same ownership but you can own them because what happened at that time Tim is it would take meetings just to know what we were gonna name something. They would have to get with Jay, get with me, get with Jay, get with me, get with Jay, get with me. For all, like so many little decisions were hard. And so we, I wanted to, we had a software company, we had a coaching company, we had an events company. And so I wanted to, I, what I wanted to do was, I wanted to be able to make a decision like back when I mowed grass. Like, I just want to be like, yeah, we'll chop down that tree for 500 bucks, let's go. I don't know, move the needle. It came so hard to move the needle with so many people, and I did, that was the thing. I told you, I was like, dude, I want to be able to move the needle, dude. I want to be able to move the needle by going home on Thanksgiving where I do my work for a week and think about a great-ass idea, and then I want to come and by freaking January knock the cover off the ball. So... That leads to we have this million dollar info, you know, $800,000 high profit business that I had built around a book doing inside sales uh, boot camps, high level ticket bit, inside sales boot camps. And then we have this little brokerage over here that we're doing this partner thing. And Jay took the brokerage. So Jay writes down, this is October. Jay writes down, um, he writes down brokerage. I'll take this. I'll take that. And then there's one that's kind of the hardest. So one. I didn't get that. So you guys were actually splitting up assets. This, huh? was,
1: this was like a business divorce, but not really in the in the volatile. We sense. would still
0: we would still have shares, but you would have no say over that business unit. Got I it. wouldn't have to come to you for nothing. You don't have to come to me for nothing. Got right? it. That's the deal. We're still best friends. We still get paid. We still have, we so we took the financial company and created an agreement and it became the CFO and created, you know, uh, reports for us. But he essentially became the CEO because they, they, they had little owners. You know, we had a software company that was, you know, doing, you know, three three $300,000 a month. And then we have this other company. He was running downpayment.org, which was he had built that thing up to half a million dollars a month in 90 days. We were doing over 100 outbound referrals a day. Um, it was making money, then it was losing money. It was just all this c- c- complexity. That led that one kickover is what made Jay then look at that unit because Jay knew how to run a brokerage. That was something he was passionate about. He had he had he had agreed that the complexity people wanted it to be fun. So he was like and just so you know, the brokerage I had been running all but I had been driving past the office going downtown and, and kind of built this brokerage thing. All the infrastructure had 18 or one point ISAs. Um we were doing you know the goal my goal I was doing 18,000 outbound calls a week doing circle prospecting shooting videos about it writing a book about it then just just having fun you know and uh being an entrepreneur and um and uh, Jay takes that unit and uh it's Jay's birthday October 20 or October 13th we're supposed to go we're supposed to go to his birthday and we had went to this conference traffic and conversion with Ryan Dice Jesse Itzler, the author of um, "Living with the Seal," was on stage, and he makes this proposal. He says, "Hey, who wants to climb a mountain with me? I'm doing this Everest challenge." Blah blah. blah. Well, we hit him up, and we we end up saying we're going to do it. And it's like less than 30 days away, and we ain't even trained. Mm-mm. So we're that supposed to bad. Yeah, so we're supposed to go climb this mountain with 300 of the top. Is it Everest? It's a it's it's a simulated Everest climb. You have to climb a mountain 17 times in two days. Okay. And it's
1: it's Everest without the cold.
0: Without the cold, but it was cold. Yeah. Um. But it it, it was in, it was in Virginia or Vermont Vermont, and um, and so, the guy who was like on the Biggest Loser, the guy who just Cody who just rode across the Atlantic, mm-hmm. who walked he he was there. Um. You know Sarah Blakely, the billionaire woman, his wife uh, who founded Spanx. All these people are here. three hundred. You go to these tents. They have like these Tumi gifts. It's done first class. They have people massage people, but you can't start climbing until two o'clock. And then um, on the last day, which is Sunday, you have to stop climbing at 5. Well, anyway, we registered for this thing, me, him, and uh, Jay. And uh, it was all Jay's idea. It was for his birthday. And I called Jay about 8 o'clock at night and said, hey, what time – EJ was our driver. I said, hey, what time do you want EJ to pick you up? He says, um, hey, have him pick me up. Uh, Jay lived out in the country. I said, do you, want, do you want EJ to pick you up or do you want to meet at my house or do you want to meet at the office? He says meet at the office. So I'm at the office. It's like – six in the morning. It's me and him. We got all of our stuff. This was a lot of you had a pack pretty good for this thing, smartly. And so we're sitting there waiting and he doesn't show. It's his birthday, his idea. He's the one that texted. We're sitting there. We're like, we're gonna be late, dude. We gotta go. Maybe he's at the airport. I, I Jay will figure it out. You know, if he's gonna if he slept in, I don't know what he did. I just talked to him. He said meet him here. I'm showing him the text. So we end up there. They have a birthday cake on his cot because you have to climb up to base camp and there's a cot, you know, in these tents. And uh, I don't see Jay. And so I fly, I dude, I mean, it, that's that whole event is worth, I mean, it's the number one. They said they'll find your soul on that. You find your soul. is number probably the number one decision I made in my life for, for learning about myself. It for sure was extremely life-changing. So, but I can't walk. And we have an event, a mastermind event, where agents are, so it was time that once we got done, there was one day in between, and then we had an event at the Omni Hotel. So I'm flying back in, our plane gets hit, in the side and they damage the plane and they give us a free room in atlanta and i'm supposed to speak your plane got hit yeah with what uh you know the gate thing that comes out oh my god they hit it so they cancel our flight home i'm supposed to speak the next day at the mastermind so they end up moving me to day two so now so i wasn't there for the normally the mastermind i'd find out where jay's at but i'm showing up from the airport late to speak and i'm speaking about really about goal setting and what i learned on this climb um, which I already had the topic, but it just meant a little. Could bit Could you more. walk at this point? I could hobble. I could hobble. <laughs> I could hobble. O- only thirty percent, like th- only thirty percent of the people. That's finished. called an authentic stage speaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> only thirty percent of the people finished. We're the last two that finished. Like uh, not a lot of people finished. So we're 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 um we're gonna give this talk, and I see Jay across the room. They're at a break right when I get there. Just timing. There's like this day two, three more speakers left, and I'm like, where the f did, did you go? And he was like, "Dude, I'll tell you later, dude. Just trust me." I was like, "Nah, I got time right now. Where were you? You tricked me into. Did you even register? You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, like, what was this? Because that would be like the ultimate payback prank of the ten years of me getting him. Absolutely, he pranked me into go climbing a mountain and didn't show. And he's like, "No, dude, listen." He was like, "Al called me, and me, Al, John, and blah. Uh, we all flew to." Um, remember that EXP? I was like, yeah, because I had been approached. I had little exposure to it, but I had been approached when I was in um, Utah by the the guy who was over Utah. So we had had some convers. It's a long story, but I called Jay, and he is approached the same day. It was a coincident deal. It's like, dude, I was approached by this EXP deal, you know? And he was like, dude, I was approached too. And he's on one side of the We're on two. We're on doing a tour, and um, we just end up kind of shooting the shit, and then it dissolves, and you know. So we had Chris who told us about it. We'd been approached on the road, and then. Um, one of our clients, um, so our a guy who worked for us, Cliff, whenever we shut down our real estate brokerage, when went to this, um, whenever we shut down our coaching business and went to this real estate brokerage model, he had moved his license to ESP, And he had worked with us for probably about 10 years. So Cliff, Coach Cliff goes over. Then he had a student when he coached for us named Al. And he had been, you know, AJ Mido was a student. You know, a lot of the eight, uh, you know, Brent Gove, he had, Brent Gove had spoke at our event, and then he had spoke at Haas's event. Haas was a… Al Stasek in Michigan, right? He's in Cleveland. Oh, that's right. So, a lot of these people, and Sheila was at front row sitting at an event. Sheila Farajan. Yeah, and she called Brent. So, there's a lot of people that are going over there, so it's around us, and um, they had just… And I wasn't paying any attention to it. I mean, I'm growing the other business, not paying any attention. It's not even like anything else I'm not paying attention to right now. And so, but Jay, um, because of the division of the business units, and that was something he had to wrestle down because there were people who were salaries and he had to get a plan for that unit
1: to to be profitable. Yeah, he had to create money.
0: He had to create money for that business. He he was now, I had been running it up to that point. So he was looking for an opportunity. Long story short is he went in and he he saw the opportunity and he said uh, he flew there, he flew back, and he had brought back Sheila and Rob Flick. And so they... After I speak, he says, just don't ask any questions, just watch. So I'm like, all right, dude, all right, what do you, what, what, what you got me watching? And so we watched this presentation, which was done in a way that you wouldn't do it today. But back then, you know, so new people did them. We have a structured way to do it. There it was a little bit. You could tell a little bit more. You know, there it was. They were able to get the point across. Only four years ago, isn't that hilarious to think about? Yeah. Yeah. And so he gives us. This is October of 2017. So this would be about four, three. Well,
1: because I'll be almost 2021. But yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So October of this year will be my third year. Yeah. Um, because you vest that three years, I believe. But 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 the point is is that um, long story short is um. You know, that that happened. And so Jay ends up moving everything over from our brokerage model to this. And to put it in perspective, everybody up to that point had reported to Jay. And we were touring and gonna sign this lease on this 20,000 square foot building. We were gonna hire more people. We didn't sign the lease. We ended up going, to, and kinda like he left me. When I took over the business unit with most of the employees, I moved us into Flex space, mm-hmm. which is what you do at eXp, but I had no idea. I was just trying to play red light, green light with the expenses, sure. and be able to operate and shut things down if I didn't want to do. I was totally, my. our goal was I'm not doing anything that I don't want to do anymore, period. And I'm gonna spend time with my kids. That was the motive. It was like, I went to karate, I'm on the phone. I go here, I'm, I'm halfway present. So the whole, the whole thing was, dude, I've made a, I wrote a book and made a, almost a million bucks. Why am I doing all this complexity stuff when I can just go out and build a different type of business, I'm gonna be more open and flexible. And Elon Musk, I had been really following him and on part of my research, he had, he had a, a way of thinking like a, you know through physics you know, boiling things down to their proof and problem solving skills. And he just had put this on my mind to assume you're wrong, assume you're wrong. And that's because when you assume you're wrong, you go to learner mode. When you try to be right that's your ego you know looking for some type of confirmation maybe your mom wasn't nice to you when you were little and you know you- so when you when you were boiling down the essence
1: of what you liked in real estate and the businesses you were creating you're saying that that all of a sudden allowed your ego to step aside and realize what you were really passionate about doing in your businesses to begin with you yeah. could do that in exp with frankly a lot less i hassle. didn't know exp
0: i was putting this stuff into the world this is where it gets off topic but i mean i was looking at dan sullivan his book called the one question if i had to look over over three years from now, um, over one, this one decision, what things would have to be true for you to say this was a good decision. And I, I would have to be able to live in Puerto Rico on the beach and go in and whenever I want to and sit at the nicest resorts and drive whatever car I wanted and do whatever the hell I want when I want with who I want. And I'd have to be able to do all that and have more money than I could ever spend, plus a lot of surplus coming in passively. That's what it would need to look like. And that's what we wrote down. That's not a joke. I mean, we didn't write down the Puerto Rico thing, but that's essentially, what we thought we, and we wrote, I got the picture, we wrote it on my wall on December 2nd. So
1: listeners, this is a good time for us to point out that quite literally we're sitting at the Ritz Carlton in uh, their hotel room, looking out at the uh, ocean and looking out at the beach, looking out at green parrots flying through the palm trees. <laughs> so if you, <laughs> there you go, so I think you did it yeah yeah it, or, or you're doing it
0: yeah yeah it, dude it, it happened it happened I mean the truth is is that um th- amazing, I'll tell you you know if I was telling my kids you know did you know you ha- you you have a third eye you know that right mm-hmm. what it, you know what I'm talking about yeah in your brain right? right do you know that it has a retina I don't know anything yeah. about this yeah it has a retina it has cones just like in your eye so like when you dream that that's where the DMT is created right mm-hmm. so there's um we can get into some cool stuff with your third eye but there's a lot of factual information that's you know when you dream and um the things like your eyes are just interpreting the world into your brain right and and the, all your brain's making a decision but your brain don't see your eyes see and the, your third eye sees too right you have to be able to see it you know you have to be able to see it like you i'm blind in one eye yeah are you really so yeah, yeah so you are i are a couple pirates <laughs> there you go yeah that's great that's a great analogy but the point is you got to be able to see it and for us we could just see it we saw you know we saw it and we knew it because of the mountain See, in the mountain, I didn't tell you that. I didn't think it was possible. After after the fourth lap up the mountain, I went into the tent and I was cramping up. And in order for us to finish the mountain, which was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life, we would have to beat our fastest pace every single lap, every single day, just to barely finish. You had to be up the mountain. When I went up with my last lap, they… So they made you go up faster every time? Well, if you didn't, you just mathematically… If you, if you finished the… Let's you say wouldn't it, finish. You wouldn't finish. So they, you just de- they, yeah. you, you would be done. They yeah. pull you, right? And so you would hit your. For us, they would, they would, let's say the, let's say we had done our last lap up the mountain. It's two and a half miles. Let's say we we did it in an hour and twenty-two minutes. they were like, well, you're gonna have to do every lap next at an hour and eighteen to be on pace. And so we'd be like, shit, man, we got to do this one at one eighteen in order for them not to pull us. So and we just went as fast as we could. You see what I'm saying? Yep. We just went as fast as we could. And I'm I'm cramping. I'm and and the first time I mean you, we we learned salt pills, but what what I learned, dude, is. Um, I, I just learned that, man, you just got so much potential. And that, that you, you know, when you really think you're at your potential, you ain't even at your potential. So what is,
1: I mean, we're circling around about this, and and this is not necessarily for a wide audience. But let's just speak to our EXP family for a second. Yeah. So you know as well as I do that the revenue share is going to be the ultimate, you know, the real estate brokerage itself is the EXP. Is the best. It's better than the best model as far as what it's offering to agents. So assume enter into the, the conversation in your brain knowing that the best of the best brokerages out there, you know, EXP is offering whatever, you know, the same exact stuff, if not better. There are no, you can't go and look at EXP services that they're offering to agents and say, well, XYZ company offers something 10 times better because it doesn't exist. So then you start peeling back the layers and you look at, we talked a lot about the stock. We talked frankly about, I mean, I don't even know what the term would be. Community. I don't even know. It's attracting a certain kind of people. I haven't had these kinds of relationships before in my life because I've always been drilled down and focusing on and, and businesses and whatnot. And you're right. This does open the door to interacting with more entrepreneurs. And by the way, when you move down here, yeah. you're going to be overwhelmed with the cool people you're going to meet
0: constantly. It's yeah, I crazy. That. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so much fun. <laughs> it's so much fun. Uh, But where I was going with that is that people, listen, dude, the biggest constraint people have in their business is in between their ears. It's their own thinking. It's never the problem. It's how you're thinking about the problem. But revenue share, though. But the problem is when I climbed that mountain, I didn't think I could finish. Right. And so what I was conditioned to is when my, when, when, what I was conditioned to was, listen, when you're, when you're doing one step, when you're doing a step, when you run till your toenails fall off, when you run until your toenails fall off, here's what happens. Shit starts to hurt and you want to quit. And when I was in real estate, bro, there was a time that I wanted to quit. A deal fell apart, things got hard. You just, it's, it's hard to dream when you're trying to survive. And most of the audience that you have to any podcast, if you're servicing the real estate professional, has had a hard time or they're going to have a challenge. And EXP is just financially irresponsible. The problem they have, well, the pro- I, I'm, I'm well, gonna finish that point. The problem they have is their limited beliefs on what's true and not true. You mean the people in EXP? The people that are not in EXP have right. a belief system that has been, that is aligned to the noise that they're listening to. Like I was listening to in my head. So that's the same reason that
1: you know I said that to you and Jay. You guys and I said that to Brent. I you know you guys would be financially irresponsible not to basically move here. That yeah. You would be literally financially responsible. But Julie and I heard that from somebody else. Yeah, They said that to us yeah. when we were down here visiting originally. Yeah. I mean, so the the truth is, is if you're an agent and you're a broker and you're willing to set aside your, you know, your emotional attachments to your brokerage model and you're able just to take a peek in the EXP's direction, you are absolutely going to come. Well, Jay said it best. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. That's, mean, that, that's what I say about Dorado. Totally. No, Jay actually had another good one-liner for that. He said, there's only two reasons you wouldn't live here. One is because you've never been here to see it, and two, because you can't afford it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> He's good at those one-liners. Yeah. So it's that Oklahoma. You're, you're from Oklahoma, yeah, too, aren't yeah, right? you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's let if you don't mind, if yeah. we could just drill down a little bit. Yeah. I, and the, and this is the big mystery, too, at DXP. And you have a, a large revenue share group, and Jay does, too. And we're mm-hmm. getting there. But there's people at EXP now who are just normal Joseph and Josephines. You're not a normal person. I think it could be argued that I'm not a normal person. You're not. But, they're not, but there, are normal, there are normal people who are not, you know, don't have your background, don't have my background, that have almost by accident, to uh, Glenn's original vision, have found themselves making thousands, five thousands, ten thousands, hundred, uh, passive per month despite themselves because the model's so good. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, that, I think that, does, that's the
0: miracle of the whole thing. Yeah, Dan Hillsman, Atlanta, Georgia. When we brought him in, he literally told us, he found us on YouTube. He said he would never recruit a person. hes I he, hear that all the time. He, he that's does, the first thing they he, say. He does 20 deals a year max. That's his, you know, he's a, coaches his son baseball. And um, well, he picked me up from the airport one time, me and Woods, we were doing a deal. We went out there to do an event with, um, um, anyway. We were doing an event with Terrell Davis, the running back. He played for Georgia, so we were doing a recruiting event. And um, he picks us up at the airport, and I look over. He's got a Bible on his on his dashboard of his car. You remember this? And he start he tears up, and uh, in the car. I've never met this guy. he had been at EXP maybe a year. I don't know. And uh, he he doesn't cry, but he kind of you know, his eyes were red and watery, and he Man just cried. yeah. And and he, and he and he and he was just basically saying you know, you don't know how much y'all really changed my life, you know, by, you know, and that's what I, that, I take that, you know, I'm a J. Abraham student. He says, dude, listen, if you're in the desert, sell people water, don't feel bad about it. If they want to buy a bigger tent or a softer pillow, tell them they need to worry about water first. And that's what I feel like I'm in the business of selling people water. I'm selling people things that they need. I'm a brand ambassador. Um, I've seen it and my job is to help them see it and well
1: that, that but that's something Dave actually said that you know uh, the, you know the president of the company and Gene says had said this too Dave said it really perfectly though he said you know imagine if you're in, you're in the Navy and there's a shipwreck and you're in your dinghy and you're trying to you're in the ocean and you're trying to save people and Dave says you know, save the people who are swimming, uh, swimming towards the ship because they're obviously the ones that are ready to be saved. And I thought that was a really good point. Yeah. Because ultimately, not everyone's going to be receptive to the message. Yeah. But the reality of it is if you're in real estate and you need, everyone needs a broker, you should join EXP. Oh, and by the way, you can actually create legitimate uh, – I'll tell you a, a personal story. Okay? Mm-hmm. So my wife and I have been married for almost, well, 29 years, the 15th of this month. Okay? We met in high school. We've been married forever and uh we've been our exit plan by the time i was uh my goal was by the time i was 40 we wanted to have enough paid off rental properties i may have told you this yeah yeah yeah, it's worth it's worth repeating yeah yeah because it's an interesting rounding of the bend um we wanted to have enough paid off rental properties because as a normal you know i was i grew up poor you grew up poor there's no it's not like you have a rich uncle that's going to sprinkle fairy dust on you and all of a sudden you're going to discover you know there's a pot of gold someplace right right you have to do it all i mean you cut grass and yeah. and while I was in college I had a car cleaning and detailing business. You know what I'm saying? We're grinders. Yeah. That at the end of the day. That's the commonality amongst all the most successful people I've ever met by the way, especially entrepreneurs. They're absolute grinders. You don't very often run into somebody who is a successful entrepreneur who is not a true grinder. Who's yeah. not always thinking. Yeah. Well, so our plan was get into real estate, buy enough rental properties, pay them off. Now, in order to accomplish that, we often had to save up the money to pay cash for them, or obviously sacrifice a lot in terms of what would have been lifestyle in order to, uh, you know, buy those rental properties because that was our north star. So our our filter when we were trying to make financial decisions in any of our businesses was: is this going to produce enough profit that's going to move us further, you know, closer to that goal or further away from the goal? That was it. That was our north star. We kept it simple. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was the rental properties thing. Well, we I was forty one and Julia and. Julius 40, but we accomplished the goal. We had enough paid off rental properties that we effectively did for probably about two seconds retire. Um, and anyway, here's what I discovered N- realistically, for us to accomplish the goal, because of rising property taxes and vacancies and whatever, we didn't need 30 some paid off rental properties. We needed more like 60 some paid off rental properties. That's not really what I'm I'm hoping you guys get as the takeaway. What we had to sacrifice in order to get to the point where we had those rental properties, we sacrificed not starting our family sooner. We sacrificed not going on vacations, not doing all the normal things that, frankly, we're doing now. But we sacrificed all those things for decades Because we wanted to accomplish that goal. And when we got to the accomplishment of that goal, damn right, we were happy and proud of ourselves. But here's the pisser of it. And when I ran into somebody, like I was on a Zoom last night with, um, it was a brokerage in uh, Oklahoma, actually, Uh interestingly enough, a KW office. And there was a guy on there that was 26 another guy there was on 31. And I I was looking at these two guys and I go, I just stopped. It was totally inappropriate, but the Zoom was getting kind of boring. So I said, you know what, I got to be honest with you two guys. I'm kind of pissed at you. And they're like, you know, they're very straight-laced, you know. And I said, well, yeah, you guys, you're 26 and you're 31. Do you guys have any comprehension of what their revenue share will mean to you at your age, given right where AXP is right now in its growth curve? Do you have any even remote concept what that means? And they said they did, but then they admitted that they didn't that goes to the point that people don't understand the true power of what Glenn created. It's no. not profit share, it's revenue share. But can I now see, I'll tell you also something, <laughs> being honest with you. The reason I didn't get involved sooner is because I was just like you, busy doing my own thing, but it was probably in retrospect my ego. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. it was. And I told Gene Frederick this too, because that's what it was. I didn't want to believe, I was like, once I figured it out, I was so jealous I hadn't thought of the idea. Yeah. Because it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, right? Yeah, yeah. You can relate. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I've heard people who say, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the times I don't even share the, the core story because it, it does feel like a, a way of, uh, it's like we were talking about the me monster. You know, and I've seen it happen. I've seen it play out by a pool. I've had, a, you know, I've watched people say, man, I had this exact same idea, but the truth is, is Glenn had the idea and he executed it. He did. And he made it happen and created a lot of value in the marketplace. And, you know, I, I heard Elon Musk say something very, very brilliant. Um, he was. He came back on the Joe Rogan podcast last month. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, he says, and he's talking. And he about, wasn't drunk or high. Yep. And he and then he says, how the heck have you created these, you know, all of these companies that are worth billions? He's like, creating a billion dollar company is real easy. It's just order organizing people to create value. And he and I was just like organizing people, building an organization, organizing people. And if you really think at the like the like the word organize um that's what this is is it's organized people like me and you to do things like podcasts or whatever it is that we do to create value and in return there's someone that's going to reach out to you because of this podcast there's going to be someone that's interested in like you know that's the same analogy of them swimming to the boat right and um you know i I say i tell people i'm only looking for people that are looking for me right and i don't believe you're going to ever change someone's mind and the the and i'll be honest with you i mean I can't really move the needle anyway. I mean, I think I've had three or four, almost four hundred agents join my community or my group this month. Um, I remember, dude, when I—I I remember when I showed my wife the opportunity, and she said, "Are you, are you sure this is, you know?" And I remember, I remember when I was at eighty people, and I was checking it every day, and I thought, you know what, I thought I thought I was too late, you know, because I knew people with five hundred people. But isn't it funny people think that? I did. Yeah. And that's that. That's the I think that's the um, natural human tendency is to think, you know, not to think how to win, but to think how you're going to lose. Then you don't have to push past your egos, not wanting to actually take
1: it seriously. Yeah. And then, you know, once you actually understand and really we can get into the the weeds of it, but it really doesn't matter who you sponsor and whatnot, because there's a lot of people that get an EXP that you want to have traction and if they don't choose the right sponsor. I mean, those things are all, it's really important, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, this it really is just getting started. I was just thinking back to when I first started talking to agents about joining our eXp group, and this was in January of 2019, You know, and uh, it's like I got the question. Some of these very basic questions, and I even forget receiving them now. But like, what's EXP? I'd hear that. I'd hear, isn't it this? And isn't it that? I don't even hear those questions anymore. Yeah. That's how fast the market has just gone from. It's the. You know, it's like the. You know, the phases of a product when it comes out, you have early adopters and you have, you've studied this infinitesimally, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, now we're at the point where it's basically got mass acceptance. So for people out there who think they're too late, it is literally just getting started and it's so much easier. Everybody is at least exp curious, maybe not ready to join, but when is the last time you ran to someone that was in real estate that wasn't at least exp curious?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the, 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 to be honest with you, the smarter they are, the more the easier they are to get. I mean, let me, the more, the, the, I'm not saying smart in a, in a the, but what I have found is if somebody knows how to use a calculator, that, that's what I mean by in, intelligence, when they're making not an emotional decision, but an intelligent decision, the intelligent investor, there's a book out there, number one book recommended by Warren Buffett, The Intelligent Agent. Um, that really sits down, not the emotional agent, but the intelligent agent. I mean, they're the easiest. I, I, I can talk to someone I'm like, oh, yeah, he's going to come. Well, because but that's
1: the point you made earlier, because it, you're, they're not so married emotionally, attached yeah. emotionally. They got into real estate. They got into a business. They took the risk. They sacrificed Working, they, yeah. to, to make money and to take care of themselves. The reason they're favorites.
0: emotional is because that team leader gets a bonus if they stay. The reason they're emotional is because someone owns that franchise that can sell that multiple of that revenue, you know, and the truth is, is I've been on the phone with Keller Williams offices. They don't know that most of those, you know, I've, I've been on the phone with entire, you know, people who have, you know, they, they want they don't want that old thing anymore. And they're trying to, and, and they, they call you and they're like, listen, you know, I looked at this a year ago, two years ago. We have a lady that just came over in Tyler, you know, she wanted to come over three. She had to wait three years because she was locked up for three years. She just came over last month. Yeah. Um, She had to wait. Was she an OP at KW? Huh? Was she an OP
1: at KW? Mm -mm,
0: No, but she had to wait three years to come over. And they don't, people don't know that there's a lot of smart people that can't come because they're unfortunate. I mean, they, and they can't let Jay's dad, you know, um, I think will, he, he, he's in a big, I think he'll come to EXP at some point, but a lot of people are in long-term agreements, So don't think because they didn't come because they didn't think it was a brilliant model. They didn't come because they might have a financial obligation contractually that doesn't allow them to come. Yep. And so, um, but they circle the wagons and they have the conversations based upon, you know, what, what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do, um, but people will reach out to you and say, well, you know, well, what so, if? But that is,
1: let's, we can round the bend because you got to go to the pool.
0: Oh, so I'm um, good. Yeah, but, know, yeah. The reality of it is, is
1: that they when you're, especially if you even have some level of influence in your marketplace, when you yeah. switch over to eXp, people are going to ask you about it, and then the sponsoring conversations just happen organically. That's what people don't understand. Not necessarily like that two years ago, but definitely like that now. I've had normal, you know, run-of-the-mill meat and potato, 20, 25 house, 15 house a year agents, they move over and then there's like, they'll text you. You have these experiences constantly, I'm sure. I've got so-and-so, they want to join my team, I don't know what the heck to do. You know, They hadn't yet gone through the sponsorship training, so they don't know exactly what to say and how to say it, so you got to kind of jump in there and help them. But that's what happens because there's so much momentum right now in the marketplace for EXP. 100%.
0: And,
1: yeah, here's the funny thing too, I was just thinking back to your and Jay's model originally. Between you and Jay, you guys have what, 7,000 agents? now in your virtual brokerage something like that
0: yeah Jay's uh Jay's within a hundred probably within 50 to 4 thousand and I'm probably within I'm probably about 3500 yeah that's yeah. awesome and three years congratulations yeah. man yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest with you it's um the crazy thing about it man is is that I I now get compensated for helping people that I mean the, the, the truth is like my calls now it's it, there's a tipping point. So at the beginning, it was me really trying to recruit and, you know, for my own thing. One day I I broke through and I realized that that's not how you do this. The the way that you do this is whether you recruit anyone or not, you have to help other people. That's right. And so like. That's the real work. That's, yeah, that's. And so now, you know, like like last week was probably my biggest week in history of having to do calls for other people. I mean, Jade does them. I do them. I've done. I mean, we did over a thousand Zooms last year um you know zoom calls but you know i when when i look into i had a count i had a guy today when we were when we went on that run we stopped it short i was like my phone rang and i was like i was talking to a guy that lives in new jersey and him and 10 of his agents want to come over and he had heard something and had a question and didn't know exactly how he got my phone number but wanted to know if i'd answer it because he was going to be coming under someone in my fourth level but he just wanted to ask me personally you know and I ended up when I got off the phone when I got off the phone, he was at the hospital his son was uh, wow. having surgery soldier surgery and when, he got, when I got off the phone with him, he said, man, thank you for giving me your time. I was sitting right there in that chair, and I looked at my phone, and I had been on the phone with him for 49 minutes. This guy had already taken a shower, swam in the ocean. He's going to be bored off <laughs> of his listening to us yeah. talk for the last hour. And I sat there for Sorry, an hour <laughs> I sat there for an hour talking to somebody about coming over for someone in my downlight that. I don't really, really, really even know well, who that. Is. that go, we can talk forever about the
1: importance of who but you choose your but, but, but That's what matters. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's what you do here. Right. And I'm, that's what, that's my job now. My job is honestly helping other people build their passive income.
1: So that's just so hilarious. Think of all the nightmares and the plates you had to have spending before and all the intricate legal stuff and the errors and in admissions insurance and the complaints and the adult daycare BS you have to put up with. And now you just focus on what you like doing the most, which is helping people basically create and live the life of their dreams. And that's not BS. Yeah. And can
0: I make one caveat to of this? And this is very important for people to understand is 99% of our time and what he's, I know what he's working on over there. Right, I know exactly what he's doing, and 99% of our time is helping those agents sell a home, and don't ever forget that. I, right. I was I started as a real estate trainer and coach. I've helped some of the top agents around North America. I'm not toot my horn, but that's what I did for a living. I just monetize that differently now. I get compensated not by helping, you know, um, an agent in Silicon Valley go from three deals to 300 million and have him, you know, cancel his coaching after he gets to 100 million. No, now I help people come over here and build businesses that you know, our, our businesses that work harder for them than they do for it. And I'm incentivized to always be there, whether, whether they pay I'm, me or not. I'm
1: really glad you said that because that's another jab that people throw at it, out is, it is. is that the agents aren't, aren't productive agents. And that's yeah. absolutely not true. We have some of the top in many, many cities and many, many, you know, parts of the country, we have some of the top three to five agents in terms of production and sales. So
0: that's yeah. just another it's just mi- not true. piece of uh, fake news out there that yeah, yeah. has been perpetuated. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm telling you, my days, when you come on board, I have a launch call and a game plan call. He does your launch call. When you get off the phone with him, he builds you. You know, we build a funnel, we organize your tech stack, we do everything I would do if I was coaching you, but I just don't charge. And the reason I don't charge is because, in theory, um, if I help you grow, which I know if I'm able to do that, growing your business, for most people, translates into you becoming, selling more homes, when you sell more homes if there's a financial incentive for you to help other people sell more homes because you've now learned something that allow, like Jim Rohn said, if you don't have everything you want, you haven't learned something. Well, if you've learned something that helped you produce more, why wouldn't you share that with other agents? Well, you're not incentivized to do so. Right now, you're you're incentivized to not help other people. Those are your deals because you're only thinking about your backyard. When the expansion model came out, which was really created in order to help keep teams from wanting to go independent and stay at big franchises right you're 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 a big agent when uh, keller williams in frisco and it's like i'm going to go independent no you're not you're going to open a team in austin and we're going to help you take all your systems and models and create a hub hub and generate leads down there and get a percentage while paying a cap for all the people down here and all the people down there and all those other things in between which was but it didn't work in the franchise model no it didn't it didn't work sorry someone's calling it didn't work and so the point i think the point that i'm trying to make is that you know when you you can do that in exp though well expansion here's the truth expansion ripped the lid off of the team model what happens is people were independent buyer agents they became listing agents so they got more leverage time then they grow teams so they got more leverage then they then they became the number one team in their office and they went independent because the money that they were being charged per agent there was not a fair value exchange and and that and so in order to stop that problem, it was that this is what I set in a class in 2015 or 16 where it was said, um, it was said, well, our brick and mortar is our um, is is our asset, right? It's our network, and now, but the truth is, you could have a, you know, let's just name a top agent. You could have a Mark Spain, a Ben Kenny, uh, a Jay Kinder, all in Austin, trying to have one expansion partner in one KW office. And that team leader is going to have a new agent that wants to grow office. Ben Kenny's offering to run their leads. Jay's offering to run their leads. Mark's, and they're doing that there in all the other markets. And now you have Tim Heil and all these agents who instead of leaving Keller Williams, which which was happening, most big teams got so big they left, including Mark Spain, including Michael Reese, including Chad Goldwasser to do what? Go independent and start their own thing because you're you love that person, that's nice to you, but you don't love them at the end of the year when you calculate that for all your agents, you paid them over $200,000. Then EXP comes in and says, well, that's called an icon, and we give you everything that you paid back in the form of stock. It's like, oh shit, okay, I'm listening, right? It's like they solved everything, real problems, and um, they were able to do it because there is no, Each office is independently owned and operated. There's no franchise. There's no no region holders. Yeah, there's no there's there's no no papers. (laughs) Yeah, there's no there's nothing. If they want to make a decision, they can make a decision across the whole platform. Right. You know, if 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 like TikTok can't operate here if Trump says he can't operate here, right? Like that's not good for TikTok. That's going to impede their business, even to the point that they might have to sell because someone's saying where they can and can't do with their business. And in and, and general, when you're in that franchise model, whether it's coming do, top down or bottom up, there's a lot of people that have to agree across a lot of different areas and regions and, you know, in order to make a decision here, you know, if we want to roll out, uh, you know, health insurance for agents, which EXP did, <laughs> then, you know, they can have the idea. I'll tell I'll, let me end on this. I, when I met with, I went to Glenn's, uh, I had the uh, amazing opportunity to spend time with Glenn. And in Washington, at his home, with him and his, um, um, at, at, I was I was with him and and his significant other. They're amazing people. And on the the day before I left, you know, uh, he was going to take me back to Vancouver to the airport. And he just shared with me some of his ideas. I'll never forget. Like you know, some of the th- now he might not remember exactly what he said, but I do because you know that I remember. I I remember what he told me. And I remember telling Jay, you know, because Jay, Jay flew into Seattle, I flew in Vancouver, so Jay had a rental car, and he drove back, and he had left early in the morning, so I had the rest of that afternoon, and then he, he an hour drive to Vancouver. And um, one of the things that I, uh, Jay asked me, like, hey, you know, what did y'all do, you know, he had left before we even woke up, blah, 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 I kind of told him about the conversation, and then there was a, sequ- uh, a another meeting that everybody flew in there. He did a little event there, and a lot of the influencers uh, flew into Washington and went there. And I, he opened up, and I remember telling Jay, I said, "That dude. Remember all those things I told you about on the drive home when we were talking on that last day? He did everything. He rolled, he, he he. We had talked about a consumer, you know, facing brand and you know like a search portal." You know, but we were talking theory, dude, and I was like, that wasn't even like 90 days ago. Ford. and you know, he's sharing. We were, I was going to ask you about that, but that is funny. And I he
1: bought a you know, Exp owns a national sort a national IDX search portal, and you know, one can assume that there's going to be a national you know, Exp Zillow competitor. I would assume you might have more color on that than well, I do. Well, he,
0: he, there's an Inman article. He said it. He, he, said, it. Okay. he said it. Yeah, he said if you go look up. Uh, Glenn uh, Zillow on Inman last month, an article came out when we bought it on how he said he's gonna um, he's going after Zillow. And but we were having a conversation. We had built a consumer facing site which was downpayment.org at the time downpayment.com, but we didn't have the search, you know, across the he, he, he has the search now, which is a very interesting thing. Um, there's a lot of things that I would love to do to play with that piece yeah, of technology but it, it also puts you in that technology valuation yep. conversation
1: exactly and a good, a good place to roll around the bend but that is ultimately where yeah. that you know so right place at the right time yeah you know if this company gets valued as a tech company opposed to a real estate company then you're seeing something happen that's i don't know if this is without a doubt in my mind now i'm 50 and you're younger than me but i still think it's true for you this is the last best
0: not the last but the last best business opportunity of being involved with exp Yeah. uh, uh, Steve Jobs says in your lifetime, you have three. He says you have, you have, you have, you have enough life to do three great things. Right. He did Pixar. He did Apple. Right. He said that's kind of in his autobiography. And I've always thought that, you know, like, um, you know, coaching for me was a decade. You know, I, I spent 10 years in the coaching model. I remember I bought a little course. The lost the decade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the <laughs> internet, you know, it was just, yeah. it was the internet. It was being able to, you know, um, I had 10 years really selling real estate, you know, being from in real estate to that. That was a great, like, thing for me. Um but but I'm really really I like helping people. And so this
1: is your third,
0: if you're following the the job yeah, philosophy. I, I, yeah, I think I think from a third because to be honest with you, I mean, again, when when I wrote the book Digital President, I wanted to help people get free. That first chapter of that book, there's a term called the Freedom Number, and that hadn't I didn't even know what that e- exp was when we wrote that and ter- you know came up with our terminology, which was the terminology that was that the goal in life should be able to create passive income to exceed your bills, period. So that's the freedom number. That's your freedom number. So what, was, you your, should what know, was your freedom number? He can tell you exactly what his is. What's your freedom number? 469. 469. 469 people in my EXP organization. 469 people in his EXP organization based on the unit economics of what an agent's worth, based upon what the average EXP agent transaction produces in revenue stream. It's Are we
1: even allowed to talk about this? I'm pretty sure we're not. So no, we, di- we better not talk about that. I'm di- we're not, we're
0: not, we're not talking, we're not talking about right. it. We're just saying we did yeah. a mathematical right. equation of what you have to make in order to be
1: free. It's be- just because EXP is publicly traded listeners. We're not supposed to be making income claims or talking about revenue, sh- revenue share. But with that said, EXP is going to start producing um, an actual evidence based uh, showing what other AG- EXP agents have been able to produce in revenue share. But what he just said in essence is he, knows in his overall group he has to have roughly 500 people and it's safe to say that roughly 500 people in this model will produce somewhere along the lines of i think are we allowed to say this Uh, i i I don't think it's relevant i think it's enough to pay all your bills and have fun right i don't know if you're allowed or not allowed It'll, it'll put you in literally the highest income tax bracket that's what it'll yeah. get you, federal-wise. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what it'll do. Yeah, so yeah, you guys can do your own homework on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah,
0: you can <laughs> do your own homework. But the point is, is that when we wrote the book, we. The, my point is, is I'm not talking, I am wrote it in the book. I, I mean... Glenn's read that book. He knows what it says. It's a freedom number. This was just a. Once you have it, it was like going. We wrote down real estate. So,
1: so the freedom number, in essence, is, is where you have enough money coming in that all your, you know, personal financial tax and whatever obligations are covered, and then the money that's produced in revenue share after that, you can then do with as you please. But hopefully, reinvesting it and doing things to produce passive, further passive income from multiple sources. I would. Assume. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that yeah. could be through that. That could be through having online product i mean i know people who do it in the e-commerce there's a lot of ways to do it stocks yeah there's tons of ways to do it but i i but i did not but because i had wrote because we were looking for it which i believe everybody should i mean what is your goal is your goal to work forever i mean why because because why like so you're telling me right now you have no goal on having a day where you don't have to work. I mean, why is that? It's because you live in what is called a reported world because you unfortunately don't know what you don't know. You're unconsciously incompetent. You're like my son who puts his shoes on the wrong feet. You're just doing the wrong thing wrong and don't even know it. And it's not your fault, but you're going to either like, this is what Dan Kennedy said to me at his house. He said, I read an article about a guy who worked at the, a steel company for 30 years and when they interviewed him and asked him why he worked there he said because he responded to an ad in a newspaper your entire life on what you did for your whole life came up because of one ad in a newspaper you didn't have a better strategy than that <laughs> right you should have a strategy he's got a shirt in there that we that we uh that we live by it's called life by strategy it's not life by design a strategy goes back to michael the the kernel which is the goal the kernel of the strategy for us was let me give you context I'm telling you right now we were mining we were buying miners from China and mining Bitcoin we were mining Bitcoin okay does is do people there are a lot of people make a lot of money um um, with cryptocurrency yes or no well
1: we definitely okay
0: okay we 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 were buying miners staying up till two or three in the morning to buy machines out of China to mine them you know why because they created passive income right did, did We still have the machines. We just, we, we kept looking for a way to find it. If you, I mean, if you don't even try, I mean, like, you, you don't even try? No. But, but that ultimately is the
1: miracle. And I, I don't like using that word, but it is. That's the ultimate miracle uh, that Glenn created. Because you can sell real estate. You'll probably make a lot more money from the real estate you sell because your cap is less. Then you're going to be awarded stock. Then you're going to, I think it's called a SOP or something, employee, I forget what that is. It's an equity awards program. Right, and then you're also going to have revenue share. And there's other ways you can make money too. So you could actually be creating an alternative financial path, just doing what you already know and love how to do, just through following the model that Glenn's created. There is no parallels. There's nothing else out there. It's seven income streams. Right. There's seven income streams. So you said, I I think I surmised what you just said. So everyone basically needs something to do that gives them a life purpose. Everyone needs someone to love, in essence, right? A family, or they need to feel that they're doing this for someone other than themselves. And everyone needs something to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, it really does come down to those three things. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And so if you're not, if this this resonates with you guys, do yourselves a favor. If it's not for you, do it for your family. If it's not for your family, do it for your grandchildren. And look... If you get into EXP and you're really confused about to do what the, re- what the revenue share, I'll be more than happy to take it for you. I will take that burden off your shoulder, and so will Mike. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but guys, seriously, don't let this get by you. Know that you are in the right place at the right time. If you've ever wondered what it feels like, this is what it freaking feels like. Yeah. I mean, has to be, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, listen. This is this is going to go down as our longest podcast. Hey, that's good. I'm, I'm glad. The only bad part is I have to upload this. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's going to take. Well, I'll hours. give you a little hack for that here in a minute. I'm going to take it. All right. All right, man. God bless you and thank you. I and, appreciate hey, you. Wait,
0: so, when are you guys moving down here? Um, The goal is to be down here. Jay's already got his place. My goal is in December. So Cool. Yeah. A lot of other people are moving down here. We used to say, we'll see you at the top or we'll see you from the top. And then we changed it. We'll see you at the top or from the lake. But now we're going to say, we'll see you at the top or at the beach. So uh, there's going to be a meeting that's going to happen. He told me in February. I'm going to go in January. January. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The mastermind. I was in the room when you were on the phone with him. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. I'll talk to you. Thanks listeners. Listen to us anytime. Uh, Thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in the nation. And for the 54 countries that have also started listening to us, um, I don't know what the heck you're getting from the podcast, but I certainly appreciate uh, the attention. (laughs) You guys have a fantastic day and we'll talk to you on the show anytime. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs,